Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Good morning. <laughs> Look at all your beautiful faces. So good to see you all. If you don't like being called beautiful, then, then you're handsome. <laughs> Adrian's receiving that. Anyone else receiving that? Excellent. <laughs> you may take your seats. Yeah. How good is it to be in church? Who's excited to be in church? So, you know, after COVID, we said we will never take gathering together for granted ever again, didn't we? I just want to remind you of that. We will never take it for granted ever again. It is so good to be able to gather together as the family of God. It is such a privilege. It is such a blessing to be able to be here together this morning. Stephen just alluded to um, the year of Jubilee, which is the word God gave us for this year. And we know that we know that the Queen has her 70th Jubilee coming up, don't we? And that's being celebrated, celebrated in June this year. Because one of the aspects, you know, we, we know that Jubilee is about... Um, things being returned. It's about restoration. It's about emancipation. It's about the slaves being set free. It's about that which was lost being returned. But it's also about celebrating a long reign. And that's why it's the Queen's 70th Jubilee and we're celebrating. It's also about Jubilee celebrating the king that has reigned the longest which is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who has been on the throne since before the beginning of time. The year of Jubilee is about celebrating our King, the one that reigns and the one whose reign will never end. How awesome is that? So there's so much to this year of Jubilee, isn't there? Who's who's got some things that, that they want to see return to them. Some, some dreams, some visions, something that you're hoping for that you feel like has been out of reach but you know that God is able to bring it into your life. Amen. I really feel like, you know, the last two or three years there's been a big shaking going on, hasn't there? And, you know, during lockdown and all that stuff, I felt like God was really shaking the earth, you know, because the Word of God says in the last days, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. So I felt like the earth has just really been shaken because people need to awaken, don't they? They need to awaken to the fact that there's an eternity ahead of them and they need a saviour and they need a relationship with with the King of Kings because we're all going to stand before him one day and we're going to give an account for our lives. But I also realised 
in the last couple of months when I've been praying about as we gather together what, what God has for us in this new era of the church. Who feels like there's a new era of the church? Where are all my prophetic prayer people that feels like there's a new era of the church coming where some things need to change? Some old wineskins are getting left in the past and God is bringing some new wineskins to carry some new wine. So there's some people that are with me in that, yeah? You feel that? So the last couple of months I feel like, God, you know, you weren't only shaking the earth, you were shaking the church because there were some things that need to change in us as, as the family of God. There's some things that need to change in us. Does anyone have anything that needs to change in them? <laughs> can, we, can we be real? Can we be real? And it's so important during these times because if you read Matthew 24, it says all these, all these things have to come, doesn't it? It says the wars, the rumours of wars, the plagues, the pandemics, it all has to happen. But it says two things. It says don't be deceived, number one, and it says don't be alarmed, number two. So it's going to happen. The Word of God has told us it's going to happen and we choose whether we fix our eyes on Jesus or whether we fix our eyes on the things that he's already said must happen before he returns and whether we get caught up in the politics of it all and we get caught up in the circumstances of it all and we get caught up in the fear frenzy or whether we say, God, what are you doing in this season? Because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he has a plan for today and tomorrow in 20 years' time and for the end times and for the now times. He already has a plan. He's already told us it's going to happen. It's okay. It has to happen before I return. And don't fix your eyes on that. Fix your eyes on me, on what I'm doing in the earth and what I'm doing in the church and what I'm doing in your heart. Fix your eyes on me. Otherwise, we get caught up in the political spirit, don't go there. Jesus said, there are two yeasts that you are to avoid. One of them is the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, which is saying one, one thing and living a different way. And the other thing is the yeast of Herod, which is the political spirit, which is all about what the government is doing and what the government isn't doing and who's doing what and who's doing that and who's leading these people and who's leading those people and who are you for, God, and who are you against? And he says, I'm not for or against either. I'm building my kingdom. I'm building my kingdom. So fix your eyes on that. It's so important in this age. The church needs to be awake and aware of what's really, really going on. Really going on. What God is doing underneath all the rattling and shaking that's going on on the surface because he's doing something big. He's doing something big. And I said, you know, I, I said a few weeks ago, I believe that he's restoring true lordship and true discipleship to the church. And the day is coming 
when those that have had one foot in the world and one foot in the church, the gap is becoming so wide between the two that they're going to have to choose. They're not going to be able to straddle any longer. They're going to have to choose a side. Because there is not, it's becoming more black and white and there's less grey now. So if you're sitting on the fence, it's time to get off the fence because the fence is about to crumble. It's time to choose whether in the kingdom or whether you're in the world because the chasm is widening. The chasm is going to be too, too wide to straddle soon. So we need, we need to choose So God is calling the church into a new era of power, into a new era of holiness. He's cleaning up his church, isn't he? You know, the church was never meant to conform to to culture. The church was meant to transform culture. The church is always meant to transform culture. Romans 12 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not be led by the culture of the age that you're in, but be transformed by having a whole different mindset, by seeing the whole world through different eyes, through God's eyes. We were never meant to conform. The early church, the church in Acts, I've been studying the early church a lot lately because that's, that's our model, isn't it? That's our model of who we should be and what we, what we should look like. We've had 2,000 years since then to add stuff. I feel like God wants to take the church back to the factory set, the factory setting, which is the church in Acts. We've added a lot of updates over 2,000 years and some of them need to be deleted. Some of them need to go because it doesn't look like some of the things that we've added doesn't look like the early church anymore. We've morphed into something else and we've lost some of our power because we've added stuff that we never should have added. And I feel like God, you know, a lot of people have said God's hitting the reset button. God's hitting the, yep. return to factory setting. I want my church to be my church again. I want my church to be full of my spirit again. I want my church to be single-minded again. I want my church to be full of passion for me again. And that's what he's doing. He's bringing his church back to where we need to be. Because I feel like, you know, we, we've been pastoring for a few years now. And we've been to a lot of conferences over the years. And we've listened to big speakers with big churches talk about how you should build a church. And, you know, we've, we've listened to the seeker-sensitive model. You don't want to freak people out too much. You don't want, any too much, don't want too much of the Holy Spirit or too much speaking in tongues because people will freak out. And you don't want your, your worship to be too over the top because people will freak out. And so you've got to tone it down a bit, make people feel comfortable before you hit them with the reality of what it's really going to cost them to follow Jesus. We, we fell for that model for a while, the seeker-sensitive model. But I don't see that in the Acts church. I don't see that that's how they did church in Acts chapter 2. They were full of the Holy Spirit. 
They were full of passion. They, they just went for it. They served God with all their heart. They called out sin. They called it what it was. They said, don't live like that anymore. You've been called to a higher purpose. You've been called to a new level of holiness. We are called out to be followers of Jesus. So we fell for the seeker-sensitive model for a while. We were young pastors. We were trying to learn how to do church. And, you know, we went to this church conference that said, you know, church is like a business and you hire people because of their giftings and and when they're not doing the job anymore, you fire them and you hire someone else. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, the, the life group model where you've, if you've got a church of 200, you've got to have 20 life groups and there's got to be 10 people in each life group and that's the only way you keep track of everybody. And there's all these... There's all these models, there's all these ways of doing church and we were so hungry to learn because we wanted to so do it right and then I've, I've realised lately that there's only one model of doing church and that's in, in Acts chapter 2 where, where they, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and they devoted themselves to prayer, and they devoted themselves to fellowship, and they devoted themselves to God, and they met together every single day. And that's how they did church. They were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to being together. They were devoted to praying together. They were devoted to sharing their faith. They were devoted to being filled with the Holy Spirit again and again and again. That's the only way to do church. And I don't really care about all the other models and what all the other churches are doing. Because I think it's a new era of doing church. And we've got to get back to the biblical pattern. The biblical pattern. Where we are all called to be disciples and we are all called to make disciples. Jesus didn't say, okay, Mark, you're in charge of children's ministry. Bartholomew, you're in charge of men's ministry. Thaddeus, you're in charge of the prayer ministry. He just said, go and be disciples and go and make disciples. And if we all did that, what would the church look like? If we all did that. Because we love to outsource our Christianity, don't we? We love to say, well, that, that couple's in charge of new people, so I don't need to talk to them. Because that's their job description. And that couple is in charge of new Christians, so they'll follow them up. I don't need to do it because that's not my job description. And the worship leader is meant to bring everyone into the presence of God. I don't need to do that. I just turn up and I'll worship if I feel like it. I look forward to the day when Kim doesn't have to stand up here and try and encourage you to worship. I look forward to the day when you all come so full of the Holy Spirit that the minute that first chord gets played, this place erupts in praise, erupts in worship. 
because you just can't wait to get here so that we can worship God together. I look forward to that day, that day where we all come, where we've been worshipping God, where we've been entering into his presence during the week so we don't have to come in cold and get warmed up by the worship team because we come in red hot and passionate. We come in red hot and passionate. I haven't even looked at my notes. We're not meant to be like the world. I think in the church's quest to become relevant, we've, we've slipped into conforming. We're not meant to be like the world. We're meant to be different to the world. Different to the world. 1 Peter 1, 17 says, since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. <laughs> I did not ask Zach to do that. <laughs> we need to get our awe of God back, don't we? We need to get our fear of God back so that we stop conforming, stop seeing how far we can get to the edge, stop seeing what we can get away with and actually set ourselves apart as holy and pleasing to God, which is our spiritual act of worship. We're meant to live our lives as strangers on this planet. James 4 tells us that friendship with the world is enmity towards God. When we become friends of the world, we become enemies of God. I'm not talking about being friends with people in the world because Jesus dined with with tax collectors and he dined with prostitutes and he dined with all sorts of people. I'm not talking about that we can't, be friends with people in the world, but we, we can't befriend ourselves with the pattern of the world, with the values of the world, with the lifestyle of the world. We can't because that's having one foot in the world and one foot in the church. We're there to, we're, we go into their lives, we get into their lives so that they can notice what's different in us, so that they can Notice the Spirit of God in us. And that's what is attractive to them. I think we're too afraid sometimes of being criticised for our faith, aren't we? I, I'm going to be honest and say, sometimes I've been afraid that people will think I'm too radical I'm too out there. I'm too much. I'm whatever. They might misunderstand me when I'm just, I just want the best for them and they'll think I'm judging them. And so I haven't spoken up when I should speak up. But we've got to drop that because that's fear of man. 
that sphere of man and there's only one that we should fear and that's, that's our God. So the time is coming where we need to speak up about our faith. We need to live out our values. We need to be real about what we really believe and, and let it be seen in our lives. We need to speak the truth. We, we need to live the truth. We need to love from a place of truth. In this politically correct world, if the church is politically correct, we lose our power. God hasn't called us to be politically correct and, and inoffensive. Jesus wasn't inoffensive. Have you, have you noticed that? He just spoke the truth. He just said it like it was. And he's, but he did it in love. So I'm not saying we have permission to be, and to be, yeah. I'm not saying go out and purposefully be obnoxious, but we need to speak the truth in love. Because the really sad thing is that a lot of people are living a lie because they've never heard the truth and who is going to tell them the truth if we don't tell them the truth who's going to tell them that you don't have to live in bondage you don't have to live in fear you don't have to be confused about your gender you don't have to be confused about your sexuality because there's a God in heaven that made you the way you are because he loves you the way you are and you can learn to love yourself the way you are How are they going to know that if we don't tell them? If we just approach them from a place of political correctness and say, it's okay, you can stay confused. It's okay, you can go and change your gender if if that's what is going to make you happy because we know it's not going to make them happy. And somebody needs to tell them it's not going to make them happy. There's only one thing that's going to make them happy and that's knowing who God has made them to be. Knowing their God-given identity. And and we're too afraid to say the truth because it's not popular. But the day is going to come when we need to be unafraid to be unpopular because somebody has to speak the truth. Somebody has to say it the way it is. And I'm getting to the point in my life where I don't care what people think about what I know is true. I I don't care what people think about me when I speak the truth because I need to just speak the truth. I need to speak the truth. Don't we? Are we willing to give up our reputation to be true to God? Are we willing to give up our reputation to be true to God? Are we willing to risk being misunderstood by people to be true to God? Are we willing to change our lifestyle if we know that we're living a life that doesn't honour God? Are we going to take a stand and make the necessary changes so that we can live a holy life that honours God. If, if you're not living right with God, now is the day to change it. 
Now is the day to change it. Now, today is the day of repentance. How many times did Jesus say, repent because the kingdom of heaven is near? Repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. Change your life. Turn around. Turn away from what doesn't please me and walk a different way because the kingdom of heaven is near. You may be wondering why you've all got little Lego blocks. (laughs) I'm getting to that. (laughs) I'm getting to that. Because I'm talking about the early church and the things that they devoted themselves to. And And what I wanted to say before this was that I think a lot of the structure that we put in church... We put there because all this stuff that the early church did, they devoted themselves to fellowship, to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to eating together and to prayer. It all happened very organically, didn't it? It, it, it wasn't, they didn't add these things to their life. These things were their life. They didn't do their life and then they added a prayer meeting and they didn't do their life and then they added a church on Sunday or they didn't do their life and then they added oh we should have a meal with some other Christians that it was their life it's how they did life they did life together they did life together so it happened organically and I think us as the family of God we're meant to happen organically we're meant to do life together organically. And I think a lot of the, the structure that we put into church is because it's not happening organically, so then we have to organise it. So then we have to have the group that follows up new Christians because it's not happening organically. Or we have to have, you know, a prayer meeting once a week because otherwise it's not happening organically. But... I'm not saying we don't need structure in church, but we also need the organic. We also need people just doing life as Christians, following the Holy Spirit, gathering together, talking about the goodness of God. So they devoted themselves to fellowship. So that's why you have a little Lego block. Hold up your little Lego block. Adrian's got three, still one of Adrian's. (laughs) So you've got a little Lego block. I've got a big Lego block. So they devoted themselves to the fellowship, which means they devoted themselves to one another, to connecting together, to being a family. Because the church is a family, it's not a business. The church is a family. So on your little Lego block, there's these little bits that stick out and there's these little bits that indent. Have you noticed that? Who loves Lego? Who's been watching Lego Masters on TV? Callum got Lego for every birthday and every Christmas 
from when he was like two to he was 16 or something. He's still getting it. Now his wife buys it for him. So we, it says, there's a scripture that goes with this. Let me tell you what that is. 1 Peter 2.5 says, you are also, you, you, turn to the person next to you and say you. You are also like living stones or living Lego blocks. You are a living Lego block. You are. And you are being built into a house to be a holy priesthood. A priest, you are a priest. A priest is just someone that connects others to God. You connect others to God, so you are a priest. You are a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So Darcy's got a picture of a Lego house. Is that a Lego house? It's not. It's just a house. On the little picture, it looked like a Lego house. Because we Googled Lego houses and that was one of the images that came up. (laughs) Oh, Darcy said it is a Lego house. Wow. So, we are being built into a holy house. So that means we need to connect together. So these little bumps are the part of us that reaches out and wants to connect with others. Yeah? And the little indentations are the parts where we allow other people to connect to us. And we've got lots of, lots of Christians running around like, like Lego blocks going, God, use me. God, use me. God, build me into something amazing. But if he's going to build us into something amazing, it means we all need to connect together. We can't do much like this, but we can do a lot like that. God is building us into something amazing, into a, into a holy household, into an amazing family. But we need to connect together. We need to do this, reach out, and we need to do this, allow others to connect with us. It goes, it goes both ways, and it's, it's our personal responsibility to do that, not, not to wait for someone else to do it for us, but, but to connect. Philippians tells us to work out our own salvation, our, our own salvation with fear and trembling. There's that awe again. Be disciples and make disciples. Holy Spirit filled disciples. Jesus never toned down the gospel to win a convert, did he? He didn't, he said, lay down your life, take up your cross. Leave everything behind and follow me. He said to the rich young ruler, sell everything you have and give it to the poor 
and then come and follow me. I think we've been guilty of toning down the gospel sometimes to win people to Jesus. But it's about laying down our life, isn't it? It costs something. It costs something to be a follower of Jesus, to be a true follower. A.W. Tozer said, who loves A.W. Tozer? He was an American pastor, author. He wrote a book called The Pursuit of God, which I want to get a copy of because I just love the title. He said, modern religion focuses on filling churches with people. The true gospel focuses on filling people with God. Filling people with God. Can we just stand together? I know I've thrown a lot at you this morning. Who likes being challenged? Five of you. <laughs> Who likes being challenged? That's a bit better. That was about 15. Who likes having their thinking stretched a bit? Yeah. I think God's asking us to walk in daily repentance. Daily repentance. Which means turning away from anything that doesn't honour Him or please Him every day, taking up our cross every day and following Him. I think as a church, we, we need to repent of being spiritually lazy. I think over COVID, a lot of us have become very lazy. Not, not only lazy about gathering together, but lazy about a lot of other things like prayer. We need, we need to guard against apathy creeping in. We need to guard against compromise. We need to guard against prayerlessness. Prayer is such a powerful weapon that God has given us. And we're in a spiritual battle right now. And the only way we're going to win it is through prayer. Prayer. Not complaining. Not, not commentating on what's happening in the world. But through prayer. If my people will humble themselves. And pray and turn and repent. I will heal their land. So I want to give you an opportunity to repent this morning. 
to turn something around in your life that you know you need to turn back to. If you've conformed to the pattern of the world, to the value system of the world, to the lifestyle of the world in any way, I'm giving you an opportunity right now to make that right. Who wants to repent? Just raise your hand. Can we be real with each other in this place? If you've got anything you need to lay at the feet of Jesus right now, now is the moment to do it. Now is the moment. He says, I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door of your heart. He's asking for access. He's asking for access into the hidden places of your heart right now. Father God, we thank you that you are our loving, awesome Father. We thank you that we get to repent. We thank you that we get to repent. It's not something... We have to do it. Something we get to do. We get, we get to put our hearts right before you. We get the opportunity to have new mercies every morning. We get the opportunity to turn and face you and to leave our past behind. We get the opportunity to fix our eyes on Jesus. Thank you, Father, for repentance. Thank you, Father, for your forgiveness. Thank you, Father, for your word that washes us daily, washes us, washes us of everything in this world that contaminates us. It's your word that washes us and cleanses us. And it's your blood that has made us as white as snow. It's your blood. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance. It's your kindness. Father, we repent for where we've been lazy, for where we've been apathetic, for where we've been prayerless, for where we've complained. And criticised instead of praying, Lord, we repent. We ask for your forgiveness, Lord. And we say, fill us again, Holy Spirit. Fill us again. Fill us anew. Lead us in your ways. Teach us your ways. Teach us your ways. 
Can you say that with me? Teach us your ways, Lord. Again, teach us your ways. That we might walk in your paths. Walk in your paths. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this new era that you're leading us into, Lord. Make us into your new wineskins that are ready and prepared to carry the new wine that you have for us, Lord. dark days, help us to be your light, Lord. Help us to shine your glory. Thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're doing in these times, Father. Have your way. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining today. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.